Well, Jim Goodwin said Aberdeen is an emotional city column. Boy, am I glad after this week to have a table booked for the player of the year. Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. We've got an away win to speak about, Callum. And we weren't there, which is just typical. And I sort of predicted that was going to happen, but at least we won. If that's a sacrifice we're willing to make, absolutely take it. And uh, no, I managed to catch it on, um, allegedly catch it on a streaming site. So all good. Yes, exactly. It does help that there are ways to watch games when you cannot attend. But more on that that player of the year table later on uh, in the season. Um, we're hoping to have some sort of uh, raffle to let a couple of you that tune into this podcast join us at the Player of the Year uh, award ceremony with money going towards um, charitable causes from the back of that. But Calm. You know, Jim Goodwin said Aberdeen's an emotional city, but I really should have introduced this podcast as it's a podcast that when we win, mm. we, mainly you, get carried away. And when we lose, we, mainly me, feel like it's the end of the world. That's extremely accurate. Uh, I don't think Jim Goodwin quite knew he was talking about us specifically, but <laughs> definitely it applies. And um, yeah, we're winning a lot again, baby. Yeah, I knew I knew as soon as I um, saw that on, on Twitter, it really did feel appropriate at both ends of the scale um, for us. Um, as we always do, we'll take a look at team news. Um, Jim Goodwin continuing the formation that served as well in the week past, going with a 3-5-2, not trying to tinker back to that 4-4-2 that kind of stuttered us in the second half against Partick Thistle. Um, Jaden Richardson returning to the starting 11 in place of my four position, Sergio Busquets-Kennedy. Connor Barron um, also returning to the starting lineup in place of Vicente, who was took his turn to upload cryptic messages to his Instagram story this week. I mean, what is going on with our team this season? And Jack McKenzie, um, reliable against Hart and Lothian last time out in the league, taking the place for Hayden Coulson, who was not in the matchday squad this weekend. No real surprises to, to that. Maybe uh, around Jaden Richardson um, returning, based on some of the reaction we had to the live we did after that win against Partick. Um and yeah, I mean, I think you can't really have any complaints around Connor Barron's um, starting over Vinny as well after some of the recent performances. No, not at all. I think it was sort of, I mean, we knew Coulson was maybe potentially not going to be included at all this week or whatever. So the fact that he was included on Wednesday was quite surprising. But three changes probably would have expected, I suppose, going into it. I think Barron gives uh, a bit more protection as well as still that creative drive in the midfield. And I sort of thought Richardson's probably going to come back in at right wing back as he is meant to be uh, a defender. And probably actually went on to play quite well. But th- three changes, I'm glad he was sticking with a 3 5 2. I'm yeah. feeling that's what's going to be the case. And um, probably going forward for, for the foreseeable with everyone available, that is. Yeah, and, it, and that's not a bad thing because it's producing results right now. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I suppose it's also allowing both Duke and Majowski to, to start. And I guess, Callum, we're beginning to see the benefit of those two starting games on a more regular basis as well. That that partnership's really beginning to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic to see. It, it is, it as sort of Duke gets up to more sharpness, um, which if he's still not there yet, I can't wait to see what he's like when he is 100% uh, for a start. But it, it is good to see them starting to, starting to develop that. And obviously, Duke has been coming off the bench quite a lot previously. Um, and obviously, Boyan sort of went off the boil a little bit, but 
I feel like it's starting to starting to come together and uh, on social media as well. I, I loved it. Boyan posted Duke's post on his story on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, captioned it Duke, which I really, really enjoyed. The fact he's getting involved and also just the celebrations in general when where Duke's sort of just standing there and Boyan's climbing on top of him, jumping on all over him. It's great to see. They seem to have a very good relationship off the pitch as well as clearly on it. Yeah, and speaking of um, social media as well, um, you want to go into the the song that you created uh, after full time as well? You want to go into that now? Oh God, um, I'll need to remember it. What was oh, um, I am in love and it is great. Luis Lopez is the king of Cape Verde. Signed for a fee from Benfica B. Now Luis Lopez is a fucking dandy. Yeah, I was quite happy at full time, Glenn. Don't know if you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and the one you you did last time, actually, I'm just disappointed you didn't include it in the party preview because we didn't press the big red button, was Duke, Duke will tear you apart again. Let's hope that that one sort of actually comes true rather than Jet like last season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it's, I think it's already proving more fruitful than, than Jet did anyway. But Aberdeen with just one win on the road, this season look to inflict more home misery on Motherwell, who of course just had the one home win going into this fixture. And Callum, for us being perennial slow starters, there was nothing slow about the way Boyan Miofsky raced onto the through ball from Connor Barron in just the fourth minute, channeling maybe his inner Sam Cosgrove um, at Fair Park from a few seasons ago, lofting the ball over the stranded Liam Kelly and really making up maybe, avenging that one-on-one miss he kind of fluffed in the home game at Pataudry as Aberdeen set about avenging that home defeat that we suffered against the Steelmen. Absolutely. Am I, am I right in thinking he tried to chip that one as well? I seem to He did, yes. Yeah. I remember criticising him for that and yeah. then he goes and pulls that out of the bag and Liam Kelly's stood as tall as possible, hand in the air and still clears him, not only clears him, superb technique to get sort of the backspin on it, to get it to dip in time. And uh, superb signing, a fast start, such a fast start that I hadn't even got my stream sorted in time. So, yeah. um, allegedly, may I add? Yeah, exactly. I was very much the same, so much so that I had to get um, Brune to send me a screen recording from a le- an alleged site. Um, well, actually, no, he had it on his TV. So, um, yeah, we got it sorted one way or the other. But it shut a few people up. Again, people will be saying, mainly me, um, after my recent criticism of the, some of the performances that Boyan's put in. But like Vinny, he responded to said criticism with a goal. So um, I'm going to keep going. Um, although this week's nominee for, for um, said criticism, I'm hoping keeps the ball out with the net, not continues to let the ball into the net. <laughs> I don't know where that's going to go, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, um, but of course, Callum, this game did feature VAR and we said at the end of Thursday's live, we hoped we would not be speaking about VAR controversy. Now, once Boyan put the ball in the back of the net, the flag did go up for offside and I'm sure those in the ground had to curtail some of their early celebrations. But it's fair to say that the, the decision by the linesman to, to raise the flag after the ball had hit the net was the correct decision mm-hmm. from a refereeing point of view because I've spoken to a few people who are um, officials um, in, the, in their spare time and they, they said that if the linesman had flagged in real time when Boyan was running through, then there would have been no opportunities for VAR to go on and check the goal. So... 
whilst it is annoying that the, the linesman felt he needed to flag, he was doing the correct procedure by letting the play run out. Um, I think we saw a few examples. I know Celtic fans were very heavily triggered by VAR this weekend. And I think there were some instances in that game where the linesman or referee blew and, and stopped the play too early and when, when they allowed that. So, you know, referees still getting used to it, fans still getting used to it, but at least for us, um, just now, um, obviously I'm wary of where we're going this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked in our favour and, and we the decision ultimately was correct and the goal stood. Absolutely. I mean, you you said what he did was right in terms of an official standpoint. In terms of the rule book, yes. In terms of being a plumbing tube and get flagging him offside when there was two players playing him onside. Um, absolutely wrong. But thankfully, I suppose VR in place. Because could you imagine the fume if it hadn't been, if that was last week, for example, and mm. we needed to go. Um, and then us watching that back, realising he'd been played onside, well onside by two defenders. Uh, whereas at least I suppose, I can't believe I'm praising VAR, it ended up with the correct decision. Um, I don't know how long this praise is going to last, mind you. Yeah, but I, I also just wonder if the linesman goes, Ach, I'll just stick the flag up because if I stick the, my flag up and he's offside, then I look really clever. But if he keeps it down and he's onside, I just wonder if that there's some referees and linesmen are just going to be putting their flags up just to kind of save their bacon in a sense. I mean, I, I really hope that's not the thought process uh, of, of our officials in this country. However, I still would be surprised, as ridiculous as what you just said sounds. Um, but I suppose anyway, they would have checked it um, after, if, even if he hadn't flagged and then he was offside or whatever. It would, it would have been checked anyway. So um, it all turns out all right in the end, thankfully for us. I mean, Motherwell fans do have um, some reason to complain uh, towards the end of the game, which we, I'm sure we'll come to. But yeah. uh, it worked out well for us this time round. Exactly. And of course, uh, um, Majowski did get to celebrate that goal. Um, I think motioning with his hand about some of the talk that's been going ar- around recently. Um, I'm just glad that when Duke jumped on the back of him, it looked like yeah, Majowski wasn't expecting it. And I saw him kind of like hobbling a bit. I thought, oh God, like, please, no, please don't tell me you've injured each other. But thankfully both um, fine to continue and, Continue causing chaos is what Duke seems to be doing to Scottish Premiership defences and just defences in Scotland in general. Um, But as much as we praise VAR for uh, making sure the decision to allow Mayowski's goal was correct, I suppose it also did its job, unfortunately for us, uh, in disallowing Duke's goal, but but yet more good attacking intent from Dons in the early stages. Absolutely, and it was a fantastic ball into Duke uh, as well, and he, he actually, you know, obviously missed the first attempt, but did well to um, get back on the rebound. Um, but I just think his, his movement in the box is pretty good, and I mean, as I said, if he's not fully sharp yet, I wonder what he'll be like, because he, you said he caused chaos. He absolutely does, but not only that in terms of his physical abilities, but like his tenacity and also mm. he was on the he's in the Benfica Academy for some time. He's clearly got bags of technique too. I think we are really seeing that now. And um obviously eventually got 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 the goal. Um but you know VR did call that one right. But it's just good to see him getting in those positions and, and also us actually getting the ball to strikers when they're in those positions these days. Yeah, I've got some more data on Duke coming up um, when we actually do speak about the goal that did stand for him later on this show. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's good to see him getting into those positions and it really kind of 
kind of hit home by listening to Jim Goodwin at the post-match press conference when he said, I think, well, the one on Red TV anyway, it's not really a conference when he's just speaking to the match commentator, but you know what I mean. Um, when he said, you know, it's the fact that Duke kind of only got to the stage now of being able to to start games because he kind of missed that bit of pre-season to get really that fitness and that understanding. And yes, we've had to to wait our, our time to see what he can offer, but, you know, his popularity amongst the support continues to grow as the interview that we did with Joe um, from Benfica after 90, the popularity of that interview continues to grow. I think Duke's now up to our third most watched video on YouTube as well. So if you are watching on YouTube, remember you can go back and watch that. And as well, if you're listening on audio, just scroll back through the episodes. I can't remember what number it is off the top of my head, but you, I'm sure you'll you'll find it. it's half an hour of a really good insight into to what he could offer. But Look, it's kind of come true. Um, that that rawness and it's an exciting talent, and we're molding it into something. Um, that, that for now, I guess we we've got to really enjoy Callum. I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. I mean, I hate to think about some of these players. Um, when you get them in young, I suppose that's the problem. When they do start performing like this, you do all automatically turn to think about losing them. But I'm trying to just enjoy them uh, whilst they're here. Obviously, still relatively young. Was he 22? or something, he's still got a lot, lot to improve on, a lot of time to do it uh, as well, which is really exciting. It's just, one slight frustration is that this is the year of the World Cup break, where he's just mm. getting up to sharpness, and so are we, and we're getting, you know, put three very good results together, and then in four games, time, boom, break for a month, which is not ideal whatsoever, but hopefully we'll be able to pick things up, and let's just enjoy it while we can for now, because... Who knows how long these uh, good times will last? I mean, it's been a week, which is longer than I thought it would be, uh, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, exactly. And we know what's coming this weekend. So um, going back to that point about how Jim Goodwin said it's an emotional city, just strap yourselves in, folks. But of course, we've had to strap ourselves in a few times watching some of the defending um, this season. And Anthony Stewart and Keller Rose combined to provide Kevin Van Veen with a golden opportunity to equalise in the game with yet more characteristically comical defending from the Dons, but in rather uncharacteristic style of Kevin Van Veen whenever he comes up against Aberdeen. The Dutch striker spurned what was a, a great chance putting the ball past the far post when maybe some would say, especially the way he plays against us, it was easier to score, but... You know, Calm, you said it's kind of a shame in the way that the break's coming up for us in sense of the way the positivity of our results are going, but maybe an opportunity, especially with a trip to Atlanta um, as well, that's being thrown in there as well, that we can really try and work on some things defensively because it's all well and good being good at the, the top end of the pitch, but we do, I think it's fair to say, have to improve defensively because... Right now, it just seems that our game plan is just to score as many as we can and hope the opposition can't match it. Yeah, basically. I mean, although we did keep a clean sheet against Hearts, a lot of that was probably down to uh, their lack of a finishing touch. But certainly when you think about Lawrence Shanklin, the chances he had uh, mm -hmm. in the game, and then conceded against Partick, another set piece, uh, conceded against Motherwell, well, obviously, which came on to... And yeah, easily could have handed Kevin Van Veen. Well, he, we did hand him a perfect opportunity. And somehow he, he copped up, thank goodness. But that was a bit, a little bit calamitous. Just glad for once we weren't punished. But they do say sometimes maybe you make your own luck. So maybe finally we're getting a bit of the bit of the rub of the green. But 
hopefully they can use that month to really knuckle down on on the sort of defensive shape and things like that, just to try and limit these chances. So, of course, chances will come in every game to the opposing mm. team. Um, even if you're absolutely dominant, you're on top of the whole game, there's likely the teams, the other team's going to get at least a half chance every now and then. But we need to start limiting them to the easiest of chances that we seem to just be handing on a platter due to some, I don't know it's lack of like communication or things like that, but it has to stop. Yeah, that one definitely had the sense of there was a bit of poor communication uh, about it anyway. But you're right, when we're on top in games, we really have to make sure we we cut out these silly mistakes. But equally, I suppose you could say that when we were on top, especially for large spells of, of the game on Saturday, like we were, you almost feel like you're going to be rude to miss some of these chances. Jaden Richardson, once again, and um, with a good opportunity at the back post in the first half, couldn't really get the ball out of his feet again. And the shot was well blocked. And, and Duke had a, a chance with a, a header after some good work offensively from Jaden Richardson. Just unlucky to see his header go past the post. Uh, I also think Jaden Richardson does really well after being kind of taken down. Doesn't, you know, stand there claiming for a penalty, just gets back up and gets the ball back into the box. And um, so, so good play there from, from, from Jaden. But you know, when you are dominating and creating chances, you do have to take them, especially when we are as ropey as we are defensively. And once again, Callum, it, it's not a corner this time, but it's a throw-in. And it's really poor from an Aberdeen point of view. It is poor. I mean, certainly McKenzie perhaps maybe switches off. It looks like uh, it's just from a throw-in once again. And I mean, that happened at Tanadice as well, where we switch off. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately end up conceding. Uh, Mackenzie switches off, loses his man. They get the ball in the box. I don't know if McCrory could probably do a little bit better as well. And of course, you had question marks over Kelleroos's uh, part in the goal as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you know I picked up on that watching the highlights back before we recorded tonight. And yeah, I think you know Mackenzie probably should do better. It looks like he's just trying to push Connor Shields out of playing to just kind of maybe put him off getting the ball into the box. And, you know, Connor Shields' ball falls to the local lad on loan from Leeds, Stuart McKinstry, who, I don't know, you probably are right if you really want to get nitpicky on it that Ross McCrory could look to do better. But I think the way McKinstry takes the ball down and turns and fires is good play from the Motherwell midfielder. But what really irks me about that is that it's it is on target, yes, but Kel Rose gets down well, gets what looks like a good hand to it, uh, and yet it finds its way into the back of the net. And I think, you know, that's just the two goals that we've conceded on Wednesday night and again um, at the weekend there, that the Kel is probably going to be really disappointed uh, at seeing find their way into the back net of the net. And, you know, when we're not taking the chances as we were doing in that game, mm-hmm. we can't afford to be giving, especially away from home as well, I feel, you know, opposition, an, an easy way back into the game. You know, the game against Partick Thistle, you know, we were lucky that at that stage when we conceded, we'd already got three on the board, but we were nervous uh, mm. after that point. You know, I think there's there's a lot to praise about the team and the way they responded to to, to conceding uh, on, on Saturday, but we just can't afford to keep giving away cheap goals in, in certain situations. And for me, yeah, I'm just disappointed by the way that goal goes in and, you know, for some of the saves Kelleros has done this season, he has rightly earned the plaudits, but it's another goal that I feel he really should be preventing. 
Yeah, I think that is fair. I mean, I know I said, well, we both said Jack McKenzie should be better. It should be said that he did have a very good game. Um, he sort of seems, seems to be improving and sort of coming into that role a lot more. But I think that, that wasn't the only chance that we coughed up too much. Well, I think had it been against the team who are performing better at home, scoring more goals, then the result might have been different. <laughs> we were slightly lucky in that sense that it was Motherwell we were playing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, you just think that, you know, kind of maybe skipping ahead to this weekend a little bit when you're going to to somewhere like Ibrox, you cannot be affording to, to gift teams like Rangers the opportunities like that, regardless of what level of confidence they're going to be going into. You don't want to, to give a home crowd again, especially somewhere like Ibrox, that opportunity to to enjoy a, a moment of of glory and, and really get behind the team. And, you know, Motherwell did then have another great opportunity. And once again, it fell to what seemed to be our, our nemesis and Kevin Van Veen, but he must have forgot his shooting boots this weekend because when the ball falls to him inside the six-yard box, one-on-one with Keller Rose, you think, well, I know what happens next, but kind of fluffs his line a little bit and uh, the shot goes straight at Keller Rose. And that was a real let-off and maybe a bit of a turning point in the game itself, Callum. I think so. Um, I mean, a criminal chance to to give up to Kim mm. Van and yeah, he sort of um, he fluffed his line, sort of it didn't make the proper connection, probably would have liked to. And uh, the, the amount of times we've played against Kevin Van Veen, in fact, probably in every other game we've played against him, he'd have probably powered it home. Um, <laughs> but not the case this time, I think, with the four Motherwell are on right now, probably helping. Um, thankfully, he did. Cough, cock it up though and, and Keller Rose was relatively easy save to make but at least he still got down well uh, and I think managed to hold it as well if I remember yeah, correctly so mm-hmm. thankful for that and I think that maybe might have been the kick up the backside that we required Yeah exactly and I think you know kick up the backside is a good thing because that is probably what we were wanting to see after the defeat at Tannadice was a kick up the backside and you know we've been on here there's fans been on Facebook Twitter wherever you know really moaning that that defeat and wanting to see a reaction question marks asked around the squad itself and how they deal with that adversity and I think the squad you know against a team that we have struggled against in recent seasons a venue we've not exactly performed very well at in recent seasons as well maybe did go some way to answering some of that questions and doubts that, that some of us did have showing that that fight and passion. I mean, you certainly saw the passion coming out at full time. And as you alluded to earlier, you know, the way that the, the team seemed to be bonding on social media, they have that sense of togetherness. And, you know, to go on and ultimately get what proved to be the winner as well. I, I mean, some of that play involved in that build-up, you look at the way Yilba Ramadani won the ball and, you know, nine times out of 10, in games gone by, maybe certainly last couple of seasons, that holding midfielder will have chosen a pass back to, to Liam Scales or he'll go back to the keeper and we'll kind of restart um, the play again. But, you know, he chose to be aggressive, plays that ball forward to Leighton Clarkson, who in turn then feeds Jack McKenzie. And Jack McKenzie seems to be a player reborn after his injury layoff this season. You know, that that determination to to drive into the box, push Paul McGinn, who is, you've got to remember, quite unbelievably as well, is a Scotland international, <laughs> a, a very experienced defender in his own right. And Jack McKenzie was taking no prisoners there, head down, drive into the box, 
almost stiff-armed him out of the way, and then puts it on a plate for Duke, who rightly is going to get all the plaudits around that goal. But, you know, round of applause, Jack McKenzie, because that was some superb fullback play in getting that ball into Duke as well. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the goal as a whole, completely right to highlight Ramadani's uh, part. Uh, heavily under pressure from Motherwell, manages to uh, get out of this situation, plays a forward pass. Uh, Clarkson then finds finds McKenzie. And yeah, you're absolutely right. McKenzie's, I mean, he's been critical himself of how he's been going forward. And I think a fair few of the fans anyway have probably shared that and perhaps maybe being too negative or whatever. But he says he wants to wants to get better and he's trying to learn off Aiden Colson or Johnny Hayes. And that looked like something straight out of their handbook. Um, get the ball down. And it, it, I, don't, I don't think he quite went by him, but he did enough to hold him off and get a yard to get that ball in. And it was yeah. literally the perfect cross into the box as well for Duke. But I think it's like the way, like, you know, barges in. Yeah. Bayern, you know, I, I seen in the, the daily record that um he um said he's been studying the likes of Kieran Tierney and, and Andy Robertson as well, that really trying to model himself on, on that sort of fullback play and develop himself to obviously challenge to get himself back into that Aberdeen um starting lineup on a more regular basis, because obviously he's not getting maybe the amount of minutes he would like this season. But Again, that sort of thing only benefits us. And you can see, again, you you know, from that little play that he did there, the benefits that that's going to bring us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly encouraging. It's sure he's going to want to carry on working on it. So if this is him just only starting to improve now, then I'm very, very happy uh, that, the, that not only the getting by him, but the, the pinpoint cross for Duke and obviously credit to Duke as well. You know, had the goal chalked off earlier. Um, missed the header and I think he had another chance in the first half we didn't mention with his left foot where Kelly got down well to save it too so the fact you know he wasn't his confidence wasn't shot at all I think tells a lot about Duke too uh, and superb header I think he enjoyed it I know Boyomiovsky enjoyed it and I'm sure the away fans enjoyed it as well um, and yeah, the scenes that I was quite envious of but um, certainly delighted and uh, the scenes in my bedroom when it hit the back of the net as well yeah, yeah, exactly. It was very, very jubilant in my living room as well. Um, I don't think my Duke and um, Rory knew quite what to do with themselves as I was bouncing around the living room. Um, but on Ramadani as well, another kind of assured performance in, in that midfield. And, you know, maybe some people say he doesn't get the the kind of praise and, and you know, that he deserves for some of the performances. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of what he does, he goes about very quietly. Um, you know, he's in that role that's, you know, not widely recognized because he's not out there scoring goals. He's not there creating goals. Okay. And people say he assisted the goal for Duke scored against Hearts. Um, but of course, you know, it allows the likes of Connor Barron and Leighton Clarkson to have that bit more freedom. And you've just got him sitting there sweeping everything up and kind of acts as that pivot in the midfield, a, a, an outball option for Anthony Shura and Liam Scales as well to, to utilise getting the ball up into that forward area. He's really kind of coming into his own in, in recent weeks as well, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think not only is the role he plays suits the team, but I think it suits him as well. Um, because whilst obviously you know that 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 pass where he slipped in uh, Duke against Hearts and things like that, 
very, very good. But in terms of technical and creative ability, I don't think he's quite got the same spark that Barron or Clarkson has. Mm. And, and and the fact that, you know, his job sort of recycle the ball and try and progress it. And he's got those two alongside him. really, really helps him. Um, as well as him doing the dirty work, likewise helps the two the two others. And I think we are starting to see the, the better of him with slightly less onus in terms of his creative ability, but also he's just going about his job quietly, excellently, in terms of winning the ball back, uh, before feeding it off to others. Uh, in that situation, under high pressure uh, as well, and, and, and dealing with it, being positive with the ball, um, it's, it's very, very encouraging and exciting to see. And also, report that Facebook page that's not him while we're at it. <laughs> but I, I think as well, like he has to be that leader in the middle mm. of the park with two young guys in and around him. And I think, you know, having him in the midfield and Ross McCrory, you know, dropping back in as part of that that back three, I think also helps Ramadani as well, because, you know, there's not a, you know, a to me, to you type thing, you know, to, to quote the Chuckle Brothers. It's Ramadani knows that it's his job in midfield to to do that sweeping up to do that dirty work whereas it was maybe a bit before oh well no you can do it oh no I'll do it you know there was that maybe bit of corridor of uncertainty in our midfield before that change in formation up again I think it's working right now obviously results wise and the team's benefiting from it massively absolutely and uh, I'd like to point out that in two episodes in a row now Chris Eubanks quoted and now the Chuckle Brothers so you're very welcome for that. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, I was also a big fan as well of Jeff Moran uh, and various others who messaged us their pie reviews. I'm good, to, uh, glad to, to see the chicken curry pie at, at Motherwell went down a storm for, for most of you as well. But as we said, Duke is continuing to go down a storm. Callum, and, you know, uh, one of our regular listeners to the show at Fitbadadi on Twitter um, put up a wee stat um, of... How, how Duke's been getting on and you know for maybe there's some of you that, that tune into this episode I, I know because there's been a few of you that have mentioned it when you've maybe seen us in a pub or, or or other settings is that you don't have social media so you know his tweet was that it was Duke's fifth league goal um, on Saturday seventh of the season and it's five goals one assist in just 396 minutes of league action averaging 1.36 goals every 90 minutes. Talk about Duke delivering for Data Dave. Love the alliteration, but, but I mean, it. not only that, I know all stats very important, but passes the eye test, but when you've got that to back it up as well, um, I just think it sort of tells you exactly um, how how important he's been for this season, how he can, how much how important he can be going forward and then, um, it's certainly very, very exciting, and, he, and he's delivering. I mean, I, I don't think it can be easy for him. You know, moving over from Lisbon and playing for Benfica probably for you know some amount of years. Um, you know, you've seen the interviews not quite there with the English yet mm. at all, and um, and he's still performing like this already when he's only been here a couple of months. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do going forward. And um, I don't know, I think he's very rapidly becoming a cult hero. Yeah, I mean, becoming, I think he's probably already yeah. there. Um, but also thank you to Matthew Rowley of at Rowley Analytics uh, on Twitter, who sent us 
um, and a few other um, you know channels on on Twitter a, a graph of Duke's stats from the, the league so far. He kind of did a bit of a deep dive into to how he's been getting on, and you know I'll pick out some of them because he looks up you know the attacking, um, defending, and his possession based stats uh, during his time at Aberdeen. His goal conversion column is sat at ninety six percent with shots on target at ninety three. So. He is very clinical mm. at working the goalkeeper. Um, I'm sure that's what the, the shots on targets for, you know, those of you that maybe I bet on that um, know that shots on target tend to have to be generated by a keeper save. So he does cause problems for not only defenders, but goalkeepers as well by being very accurate with his shots. It's absolutely encouraging. I mean, at times uh, last season, chances were very few and far between. Um, and to be fair, on Saturday we didn't, we didn't exactly pepper Motherwell's goals uh, goal. But when you've got a player like that with p- putting up those kind of numbers, it's it helps the team so much. It's so impressive. Yeah, and you know, equally impressive is defensively. His defensive duels one is ninety three percent. You know that rear end of his is just a sight to behold in general but in terms of holding off defenders when he's trying to to win the ball in certain areas and, and drive into the box is clearly um something and then there was um, I can't remember what game it was um it might have been the Motherwell home game actually um when um Freyan Macaulay noted noted on Twitter um I love how often Chidian Macaulay gets a shout out on this <laughs> podcast by the way um the defensive work Duke did in that game to to get back and stop a goal because I'm sure Rose would come up for a corner or something but you know he was the one that was breaking a gut to get back and do his defensive duties as well but equally pass completion and progressive runs both in the 90s at 90 and 93% respectively so you know for a data man like Dave Cormack is he's certainly ticking all the right boxes absolutely and it, it, it's exactly what you want. I mean, you know, in terms of football, in terms of recruitment these days, a lot of it does come down to the analytics, you know, so, an- analytics, analytics rather. And I, I, I'm sure whoever went put, put in the work to, to get him, uh, to scout him, will absolutely have known this. But the fact that he's come over here in this setting that we're in right now, uh, you know, when, when he's not been here for long and he is still putting up those numbers, probably improving. Obviously, I don't have them right in front of me. It, mm. it's super encouraging and the fact is at both ends as well um, just it, it's even better I just hope you, you know last week you were talking a lot about a semi and now you've mentioned Duke's bum so I'll just leave that one there hey I mean good offer no speechless <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know we speak about how raw and exciting he is I just can't wait to see what he does at Ibrox this weekend coming I mean if he's not a cult hero now, after Ibrox, that that could be like he'll be in folklore forevermore. Because not only important game scoring at Ibrox, you just know he's going to go absolutely mental if it happens as well. So God, I hope it happens. And feeling him, I love to see what Ramadani got up to. Mm, very true. But obviously, you know the game didn't end without a bit more controversy if you're a Motherwell fan tuning in and um, nothing of note if you're an Aberdeen fan of course there was a alleged 
penalty incident involving Anthony Stewart, who was trying to um, take, I think it was Sean Goss's t-shirt, or was it Ricky Lamy actually? Lamy, yeah. yeah, Ricky Lamy's um, shirt off of him before full time. Um, and nothing in it at all. And then, of course, the the ball bouncing off the hip of Matty Kennedy, um, some claiming uh, handball on that. Now, had VAR, Callum, deemed that to be a penalty, Motherwell would, of course, had the opportunity to go and take the spot kick, despite Ewan Anderson's full-time whistle going. Now, could you imagine the meltdown on here had that happened? That would have been too much, too much heartbreak. And... That's one thing I do think is a load of rubbish. If the full-time whistle goes, that should be the end of it. Whether like there's something to be looked at, fine, look at it. If you've got to wait for another minute before uh, the end of the game, fine, deal with it. But if the full-time whistle goes, it has to be, that has to be it done. I was a big fan of Jim Goodwin channeling as like David Marshall running up to Dan McFarlane, fourth official going, is it over? Is it over? Is it over? Like, and rightly to check, because to be fair, the still images don't look good for, for Anthony Stewart. But at the same time, you'd be getting penalties at every single set piece, every single throw in for things like that. Um, so I think whilst on another occasion, it probably would have been given, I think, probably the right decision. And in terms of the handball, I was convinced it was a handball. Then he started talking on sports scene about it hitting his hip. And I thought, oh, okay, I guess it hit his hip then. Um, So it's fine. We're all good. We've got three points and uh, Motherwell fans are raging, which is quite pleasing given how how things have gone between us uh, in recent times. Exactly. And if you want to see how really raging they are, of course, you can go over it if you are watching on YouTube to Gogsy's channel and watch the vlog to see his meltdown and reaction to that incident at, at the end of the game as well. Of course, he joined us to preview the game and spoke um, about how good VAR would be for Scottish football. I wonder after 90 minutes if he's already changing his mind. Very um, on reflection, though, Callum, given everything that we, we saw during that 90 minutes, how how crucial is that three points? How defining could that be for us this season? You know, that character to, to get that away win at a venue that is not Perth or Livingston, you know, given the fact that, that both Hearts and Hibs drop points, Livingston very unlucky to, to drop points as well um, this weekend and, and St Mirren nearly dropping points as well, but managing to hang on to our coattails in, in third place as well. Uh, absolutely massive. I mean, not only in terms of considering those results, which... As I saw the Hibs score, I was like, oh, there's a very good chance for us here. And uh, keeping an eye on things elsewhere too. Um, but in terms of the confidence as well for the team, you know, results haven't been too kind to us against Motherwell in recent times. Um, we've not been good on the road whatsoever. But the fact we did go and get that, and at times, um, you know, the game's certainly not going our way. I think Motherwell had like 61% possession. Mm. So they've gone and put in a shift, not the performance in terms of the end product, but the shift as well that they put in, um, I think it, it it does wonders. And on the end of the week that we've just had as well, sealing a semi-final, beating, you know, the team that finished third last season at Pataudry, uh, 2-0, keeping a clean sheet. Confidence must be sky high. I think that, that result only adds to it. And then when you consider with the other results going our way, for once, like we, us capitalising, um, very, very happy. Yeah, and it is a very, very happy camp 
certainly an Aberdeen camp that's happy. Um, going to Ibrox this weekend, of course, there is a bit of unrest uh, amongst the, the home faithful there. But before we get into the league um, encounter with Rangers, Calm, I suppose we should speak about the upcoming League Cup semi-final against Rangers, as of course we're recording this on Monday evening, as we usually do. The semi-final ticket announcement was released um earlier today, announcing that Aberdeen have been allocated 20,000 tickets for the match. The club, of course, um, going to announce how they phase the ticket sale in due course. Do not do a phase sale, you cretins. Get them on general sale right away. Thank you. Good night. At least you're not sitting on the fence uh, about it. I I do agree with your sentiment, however. Um, I can understand... You know, we want the people to get to go to the games regularly to get tickets, but there's twenty thousand of them. Have we ever we won't sell them? out? Yeah. Just get them on general sale. I know, Stop mucking I know. about. But I suppose if you're wanting to absolutely guarantee, then you could have like one phase, one hundred loyalty points, whatever. Some people suggesting just have a Don's ID, and then a few days later, general sale, get them sold, and because people want to go together, and some people. You know, with whether it be work commitments or you know, maybe they play football on Saturdays, can't always go to Pataudry. I saw some people blaming uh, people saying, Oh, we don't want plastics getting the tickets or whatever. There's 20,000 of them, and you know, people do have the other reasons for not being able to go to Pataudry or go away all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a semi final, we need everyone we can get against that lot in Glasgow. <sighs> it's, I hope they're not going like 300, 200, 100. And then general say, well, that'll probably be what happens. And then um, suddenly expecting 20,000 people to fork out, given the prices as well, uh, seems ludicrous, but hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. None of this hundreds and thousands of loyalty points. Get it at 40 loyalty points, which basically opens it to season ticket holders and anyone that um, decided to invest in DNA as well. Get open to that. And that means everyone that is a current season ticket holder or a current DNA member will get tickets, keeps everybody happy. And you should have only really need to go to about, what, 20 games to be guaranteed yourself a semi-final ticket over the course of the last two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. I think that that is fair enough. None of this, as you say, phased hundreds of points. That's fucking stupid. I fucking hate it so much. I'm just glad we get our tickets through a supporters club and genuinely don't have to ever worry about it. But in the grand scheme of things, when we've got 20,000 tickets, stop limiting it. But of course, as you said, the pricing may not help as well. Kel, surprise, we are being housed in the East Stand um, with adult tickets being priced at £28, uh, under 12s or over 65s at £12. Um, There is an under 16 price being advertised for the South Stand on the SPFL website. But then when you look at the ticket breakdown um, for both semi-finals, in fact, it doesn't appear to be any under 16 option in the south stand now for those of you choosing to um sit in the south stand for this game of course that will be shared 50 50 or 70 30 depending on the sfa's um, desire with the rangers fans for the pleasure of sitting in the upper um, you can pay 33 pound for an adult and in the lower section you can pay 33 or 38 pounds you do get a good view of the pitch admittedly but an absolute expense especially if there is a family of four and no under 16 option if you want to to go in there what an expense that's going to be 
No, that's not on top of travel and uh, any you know food or drink that day as well. I mean, mm. cost of living crisis. Twenties <laughs> plenty. Try just about double it. Brilliant. Thanks very much, SPFL SFA. Really, really helpful. And I'm not a student or under 21 either. The fact there's no category for 16 to 21 or student as well seems ridiculous when the likelihood is their source of income going to be you know, significantly lower than perhaps those in full-time work who've been in a job for 10 years or whatever. Fuming. I mean, what's the point? 38 quid and idiots but pay it. I mean, and I say idiots, me. Me pay it. Stupid. Well, there's loopholes to the system. If you know, you know. There's ways around it. Anyway, before we reveal too many secrets, <sighs> let's go on and speak about our trip to Ibrox this weekend. As we said, the mood in the Aberdeen Cup has got to be buoyant. It's safe to say the mood amongst those that go to Ibrox on a regular basis is anything but. Um, despite you know, some obviously getting themselves to the semi-final. Performances have definitely dipped below the expected standard of the um, Ibrox faithful, with Chris Boyd saying that had they failed to win the game on Saturday, he expects Giovanni Van Bronckhorst to be sacked. Of course, Aberdeen have a full week calm to prepare for the fixture. Rangers travel to Naples to face Napoli, who I cannot wait to see bang plenty of goals past that hapless defence. Um, I'm sure the ideal preparation for, for Rangers going into this weekend. Absolutely. Um, slight thing playing on my mind is whenever they if they take an absolute beating, I feel like they're going to bounce back and just take it out on us. But I hope that's not the case. Um, under the replies of some Rangers tweets, not a lot of positive people. I mean, they tweeted about Diwali and there's people replying saying, this isn't Giovanni Van Bronckhorst being sacked. And there's <laughs> when they've been tweeting about the semi-final, they're saying, sack Gio will get pumped off the sheep. They're not confident about playing us, which is a weird situation to be in. But rightly so. <laughs> I had a little look, little look at their fixtures, uh, their the recent results. In the last three games, following a 7-1 pumping off Liverpool, <laughs> they beat Motherwell 2-1, which of course we did as well. They beat Dundee 1-0 at home in the Cup. We beat Park Thistle 4-1 at home in the Cup. Park Thistle performing better in the league than Dundee. And obviously, most recently, drew 1-1 at home to Livingston when Livingston had 10 men for 15 minutes. And having used the Motherwell comparison already, we beat Hearts 2-0 at Pataudry. We've scored eight goals in the last three games, conceded two. They've scored four, conceded two. This is weird. The best bit about that that I think people tuning into this, you've actually done research for the episode as well. I know. And it's actually very good research as well. You know, to pick up on the point about the way Rangers fans, because it's not like them to ever overreact to anything, um, reacting to, to Giovanni just now, is that part of me is slightly worried if they do go and take a hammering um, in midweek against Napoli, which I'm fully expecting them to do, and I think many as well, um, is could he actually be sacked before the game at the weekend? And then you know this, you know the, you know cliche of new manager bounce that we never got with Jim Goodwin. Could could that come into effect this weekend or caretaker bounce, aka what Villa did once Slippy G got the sack? That was also a concern of mine. By the way, Steve Jarrett getting sacked, hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, but I hope uh, Giovanni Brown Van Bongos keeps his job 
Well, to be honest, with the way things are going for as long as possible, yeah. um, to be fair. Probably until at least the 16th of January. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but certainly after the Napoli game too, because imagine if imagine if we won the game that got Giovanni Van Bronckhorst sacked. Well, how great would that be? How great would that be? Yes, but how much of a job then does Jim Goodwin have this week of keeping... Aberdeen players focused on our own side of things because we've put that in the notes for this is that I said how much do we have to stop getting distracted on the circus Uh, and no I do not mean Rangers as a football club in general but the likely media circus that will follow um, a a negative result in midweek you know calls for Gio to be sacked I'm sure will increase you know Jim Goodwin has got to do an excellent job this week of keeping the players focused on our own job. I'm sure his press conference will have um, questions not related to the squad at all and be all focused on on the opposition. This is about, and again, though, that Calm, that may actually play into our hands that distractions are elsewhere. We can just turn up, go about our own business, which we've been doing in recent weeks, and hopefully turn them over. I certainly hope that's the case because um, there are absolutely is distractions and that will be very difficult to avoid. And I've no doubt Jim Goodwin will be trying his utmost to, to do so. But whether that's possible or not, I don't know. Just with the way the media is and things like that, um, obviously it will be tough. But yeah, as you say, it might play it in our hands. And also, for example, if we go there, fans are still um, sort of very unhappy uh, they you know get a poor result against Napoli. Van Bronckhorst still in the job, and then after the first, at this point, sort of fifteen twenty minutes, mm. things are still level, or they're not on top of the way that they expect to be, or if we're putting on a good show, they'll start to get so on top of them and not in a great way, mm. which you know we know can can really benefit us as well. So it's vital important that they, we do stay focused on the task at hand and not get distracted by this because. We could really use it to our advantage. Yeah, and I suppose then, how do you feel going into this game? Because do we go in and try and have that gung-ho start that we did against Motherwell and try and catch them cold early on? Or do we look to frustrate Rangers in the opening exchanges and, and build ourselves into the game? But I kind of feel we'll go for the latter, but I hope we do the former. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, I can't see us going hell for a leather, <laughs> certainly, uh, put it that way. But at the same time, I think what well, I think we'll look to be compact, um, hopefully to we'll defend well. And uh, we know we've got players that can hit them in the, on the break and, and, and be be clinical as well these days. But very tough ask, regardless of Rangers' confidence or things like that, mm. soaking up pressure for 90 minutes. We have to be able to to get out and get at them at times to uh, press them I put them under pressure certainly probably in the early stages because if we can get players making mistakes fans frustrated it'll make it far, far more difficult afternoon and also regardless again as I said of confidence like for example Antonio Cholak even with the way they've been the, the goals mm-hmm. he's the amount of goals he's scored he you know, only needs a few chances, probably. And regardless of confidence or the way they're playing, he he's likely to take them. And that's you know not including whether Morelos or you know Kent, whoever else. So they, they need to get they need to get the game plan right. And I hope we do you know 
press, you know, know when to go and, and know when to attack, know when to break, be positive in, in the correct times. Though. That's what's most important and not be just sitting in and hoping for the best, which we've seen us do many times and even then still goes wrong. Yeah, and it's fair to say as well, you know, our defence hasn't been great this season as well. And if you look at the way Rangers played on, on Saturday against Livingston, it was balls into the box that the Obelai was just, you know, gobbling up for fun. And we've seen how good Anthony Stewart is in the air. So that makes me feel a bit more comfortable in that sense as well. But Rangers are missing Connor Goldson and they've not really looked the same defensively themselves, conceding poor goals, I'm sure, from their point of view. And th- that movement of, of Duke and Mayovsky really excites me going into this weekend. Mm-hmm. I just hope that we, you know, Jim Goodwin sticks to his guns, goes with that 3-5-2 that's been working, you know, in this last weekend and allows Duke Mayovsky to really run uh, a Rangers defence that hopefully have already been run ragged in, in midweek and continue that, that low ebb of confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can kind of exploit that because I think it's been picked up as well that, you know, if we can win this game, is it, we just go to like four or five, four points behind Rangers as well. And, you know, suddenly from after Tanadice being, it's fair to say, in a bit of meltdown and, and uh, pant wetting, <laughs> could, could we suddenly really start looking upwards? I mean, probably too early to, to mm. get way ahead of ourselves, going back to what Jim Goodwin said about getting carried away. Um, but it, are they there for the taking this weekend? I think the answer is absolutely yes, given their recent run of form, given the fans' unrest, given their lack of confidence. I mean, they put 73 crosses into the box against Livingston mm-hmm. and they scored one goal. I mean, that's 72 other balls into the box that were just aimless and hopeless, basically, or didn't reach the intended target or they couldn't capitalise on. That's not a team that's... You know, if you think about when when they won the league, or whatever the type of football they were playing in comparison to just hoying balls into the box, they're absolutely mm-hmm. there for the taking. And then also on the flip side, defensively, as you said, Goldson out, Ben Davies also injured. If Leon King's playing centre back, young kid, I'm sure he's probably talented. But I haven't not seen that much of him, but mm-hmm. if you get Duke into a physical battle with him, he could feast absolutely. Yeah. It, exactly. I mean, I think he also just relish going up against someone of like so James Tavernier and hopefully, you know, putting him on his uh, backside as well. But yeah, just double check the table. It is four points we could close the gap to. And I think, you know, I, I spoke there after the Motherwell game about it being kind of a defining moment in our season, you know, picking up three points where maybe we weren't expected to. But we're probably, I think it's fair to say, by a lot of people maybe out with the club and out with certain podcasts and, and elements of the, the positive side of our support, you yourself included, we're maybe not expected to go and pick up a result at Ibrox um, by many this season. I, I, I think if we can go to Ibrox this weekend and, and pick up um, a positive result, that really stands us in good stead going into that remaining three games before the World Cup break. Yeah, absolutely. If you add, I mean, even a point, to the, the week we've just had with three mm. games to go for the World Cup break. Confidence certainly to be high and um, could put us in a really good position coming into that second half of the season. But would you would you take a point right now? I would take a point right now, yes. I would, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I think fair given our probably more recent uh, um, form at Ibrox, but... Or just away form in general. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think, yeah. Um, 
I, I would bite your hand off for a point right now, but you know, maybe wait and see how Wednesday goes and then I'll be probably although I don't think going into recording this episode tonight, I felt I would be feel as positive mm. for a trip to Ibrox, but um after speaking about it. I suddenly really oh, wish God. I was going. Hmm. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's Gemma's mom's birthday this weekend, so I uh, have to uh, attend that instead because I was wanting to do uh, another watch along based on the success of that from the 2-2 draw last season. Um, but apparently, I'm not allowed to to do that. So uh, I'm sure I'll need to find a stream that uh, on my phone similar to what I did last Saturday for 90 minutes. Most likely. I mean... I'm now worried that we've talked ourselves into confidence and it's going to be similar to Dundee United. But let's hope that's not the case. And um, Yeah, but then I suppose it goes back to that, what I said about, you know, people expecting us maybe to get beat. You could just put it down to one of them. But in in terms of the team then, Callum, you know, we, we made three changes for the game against Motherwell. Do you go with that same starting eleven um, that that played against Motherwell for this game against Rangers? Yeah, I think so. I mean... The most obvious potential change is probably Colson back in for McKenzie. But I think with the way McKenzie's been playing and also maybe his more physical nature, certainly from what mm. we've seen in recent in recent weeks, when you go to Ibrox, perhaps you need a little bit more defensively sound, a bit more of a player, more up for the physical battle. Perhaps that could maybe benefit a little bit more, especially if they're doubling up with Tavernier and whoever starts on that right-hand side. Um, I think I'd be happy to stick stick exact same. Yeah, so would I, and um, I think Jax does deserves that opportunity to to start that game again. And I do agree with that that kind of physical side of things that that we've seen Jack kind of develop in uh, in recent weeks. He does seem to be a lot, you know, a bit bigger in terms of his build this season than than last as well. So he's he's certainly been doing a lot of work off the pitch mm-hmm. um, as well. So yeah, I would have no complaints if we went with an unchanged lineup, and I, I think that would add to the confidence from the, the team and certainly add to the confidence of the players that the manager trusts them to 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 go out and, and perform exactly like they did uh, against Motherwell. So uh, I'm I'm now, as you said, weirdly excited. Um, I like how we both find that extremely funny. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, I, I suppose it just goes back to to what Jim Goodwin says. It's quite easy to get carried away after a win, but I don't think that's just, you know, just an Aberdeen fan point of view. I think that's a football fan's view in general. Yeah, uh, no, I do agree. And um, if we're carried away now, imagine if we do get result at Ibrox and see, I don't know, I'll be unbearable. So let's hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope for everyone's sake that we are extremely unbearable when we are back next week looking back at events that have unfolded at Ibrox and then looking ahead to the, the games leading up to that World Cup break coming up. But thank you to you, Callum, for joining me and doing some much valuable research in that preview. I'm sure the viewers and listeners very much enjoyed it. Thank you to all of you for tuning in to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses, wherever you have been tuning in make sure you leave that review leave that like and comment your thoughts on the week that's been and the week coming up as well till next time thank you very much for watching thank you